we just in the West don't really see the value of grieving. I think grieving is a spiritual act, right? Um, so I'm learning, like, as I'm beginning to see that as a spiritual act, as a part of the necessary piece of healing, I'm like learning to just find space for myself to do that. What's up, y'all? Welcome to the A Space to Breathe podcast, a podcast for Black men to be free, open, and vulnerable away from the pressures of manhood we find in different aspects of our lives. We are in season three. We are still in season three, and this season has been so enriching so far. And this is episode five, and I'm really excited about our guest, um, who's going to be adding to what we've already talked about in our Heal Brother series. As a reminder, in this series, we are talking to different brothers, different Black men, giving us practical, um, real, vulnerable, authentic stories of their healing and how that is working for them, what they're doing to heal, um, to, to give a little bit more substance to the things we talk about here on the pod. Um, and so, like I said, I'm really excited to have our guest here today. Uh, our guest is Devin, uh, a brother I just met a few weeks ago, but um, just really connected with him. Um, so I wanted to have him on. Devin, so glad to have you here. Hey, what's going on? Um, happy to be here, of course. Um, soon as, you know, we connected at the event, I knew and I saw what you were doing, read the book. It's like, yeah, I want to be a part of this because it's, it's valuable. So thank you for having me. Yeah, man. Yeah, man. Well, go ahead and introduce yourself to the, to the audience. Uh, Tell us a little, about, a little bit about yourself, what you do, uh, particularly the work you're doing, uh, where you live. Yeah. So again, my name is Devin. Um, I'm from North Carolina, but most of my work is based in D.C. Um, I operate a social impact enterprise um, where we work with other organizations who serve or market to one or more of the following four groups, current or formerly incarcerated people, students, um, small business enterprises, or BIPOC, Black Indigenous People of Color. Um, so in doing that, you know, I uh, mostly do like communications related work, um, business development, and other types of management consulting. Um, but uh, because I myself am formerly incarcerated, um, a lot of what I've been doing in my work is sharing my journey and my story, um, and particularly like my healing journey, right? Um, and that's one of the ways I've found has helped me stay accountable to maintaining the things I've learned along the journey um, through things like journaling, right? So, um, yeah, that's that's my work in, in essence. Um, and I'm just happy to be here. Cool, bro. Um, would you rather skydive or scuba dive? Skydive 100 times over. I've skydived. Dove now? Is it Dove? I guess I've skydived yeah. like, or Dove. Yeah, <laughs> right. <Yeah. laughs> I've skydived twice now. Um, and I'm ready for my third time. So yeah, hands down. <laughs> cool, cool, cool. Good cool. question. Um, <laughs> Great icebreaker. Yeah, man. Yeah, man. <laughs> uh, one more. Uh, because so, so you didn't mention this, but you went to NC State, right? I did go to NC State, yes. 
Okay. You went to NC State, uh, and I went to I went to Duke. I'm gonna put NC State out of the mix. Uh, uh, Duke okay. or UNC? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> that's so trifling. Nah. Um, <laughs> even though I will say this, right? Um, I grew up in Durham, right? And even before I moved yeah. to Durham from my hometown as a young child, um, I was, was a Duke fan. So definitely Duke. We still go back. We continue the show. If you didn't say Duke, I was gonna have to close the show. (laughs) Well, actually, I have to find another gift. (laughs) I will say, uh, I I told my friend this. um, One of my really close friends uh, also went to Duke, um, and you remind me a lot of him. He's recently, you know, pulled the 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 Michael Jordan also and he's got the beer so y'all I, I told him like yo i met your doppelganger <laughs> so yeah <laughs> that's funny oh cool uh we'll go ahead and go ahead and jump in uh the first thing that we do on the show um is check in um if you you've been through the journal so you know what i'm talking about um you good bro how you feeling today yeah today is good um, like I said, so I'm back in the country now, my hometown. And, you know, when I'm here, I help my grandfather a lot with like the yard stuff. Um, so been like chopping down branches and trees and weed eating and working on all kinds of stuff. But I like that, right? It gets me active. And I haven't done that in a while. So like physically, I'm like, okay, got those endorphins going from the activity. You know, I got to walk around barefoot a little bit, do some some grounding and whatnot, and been around my family, my you know, all my family's here. So um, that's that's good. So right now, I, I am good. Though this week has been pretty um, tough. So yeah, I'm gonna push you because good is not a feeling. So Ooh. give me a feeling word. Okay, I like being challenged. Okay. <laughs> um, I am, how do I feel? I feel, I don't want to say content because content isn't the word. Full. There we go. Full. Full. Whenever I'm I'm, I'm back here, um, I'm actually much more reflective because it's slower, it's quieter. So I just do a lot more thinking. Yeah. And um, I'm always just grateful when I'm here. And I'm always full, like refueled when I'm back with like my family and all those kinds of things. So, yeah. Is that a feeling cool, word? Cool, <laughs> I, I don't know if it's on the feelings wheel, but I'll let you. I'll let you slide with that. Okay. <laughs> okay. Oh man. Oh uh, no, nah, it's, it's cool. It's cool. Um, yeah. I'd say I am feeling hopeful. Okay. Um, I. And I told you a little bit before we hopped on the recording, just like getting a little bit more adjusted to my new flow of life Mm -hmm. Um, and had some good time today to kind of like vision cast and plan out what I want, like breathe to look like what I want, like me as an entrepreneur and business person on top of the other roles that I play in my life um, kind of look like. So feel a little bit more. Um, getting a little bit more settled with that. And so feeling very much hopeful. Um, and so, yeah, man, excited to be here tonight and excited to have this conversation with you. Yeah. And like soak that in too, because I'll say like, that's also to the point, you know, I'm also, I've been navigating this entrepreneurial journey for a little while too. And 
And what I'm learning is, you know, there's so many ups and downs in the days. And so today's kind of one of those days as well. So when you have those days, like soak them in, you know what I mean? And today was kind of one of those days for me yeah. too. So like, I get yeah. it. I get it. Let's go ahead and jump in. You kind of alluded to it a little bit, but um, just like kind of lay out for us what is something that you are healing from and or feel like you have healed from. Yeah. Um, so my main healing journey, I feel, has been um, regarding my incarceration and even the circumstances that surround it. Um, so, you know, I was incarcerated for my responsibility in a DWI-related car accident, fatal car accident, um, where, you know, a, a gentleman lost his life. And, you know, I say the circumstances that surround that um, incident because, you know, even in that moment leading up to the accident, part of what, you know, position that put me in a place where I was in the state of mind where I was even, you know, driving drunk and all those things was not knowing how to deal with what I was grieving from, not having an intentional healing plan for, you know, losing my own father um, in a similar way. You know, the the guy the in my accident, you know, we were both the same age. We were both 21 years old, right? When I was a college student at NC State. Um, except he was here from Mexico on a work visa with two small uh, children back in, in Mexico that he was here working for um, to be able to support. Um, and so I identify with that because not even two years before that, you know, my uh, own father, and like I said, my uncles passed away at sea. They were commercial fishermen. Uh, essentially, uh, you know, at the time, what the, the finding was so that another major ocean liner essentially accidentally kind of caused their accident, right? And so being in court and hearing some of the same, you know, the things their family were saying about me and how they felt in their accident, you know, I identify with 100%, you know, I was saying some of the same things I felt, my grandparents and my siblings and everything. So um, like in that moment, I, I, I understood in a very, a much deeper way that, um, you know, if I had known how to heal or had just been intentional about it in some kind of way, um, you know, I probably would have been in a better place to where someone would still be here to be able to be there for his family, right? And um, that's when I really became super serious and intentional about my healing journey. Yeah, man. Wow. Um, thank you for sharing one. I think it's, I'm honored that you decided to share that on this platform. Uh, and I think that it just the thought and self-awareness that you have already, um, even thinking about what led you to um, drive under the influence um, and the impacts uh, on, like, on you that then led you to impact other people, I think is just huge self-awareness on your part. Uh, I think that something that we as black men don't always do, <laughs> we don't always think about why we do the things we do. Um, even if they have like major consequences, we don't always go back and think about the why. Um, and so, yeah, man, um, 
I appreciate you sharing. I appreciate even the insights you've already shared as you were telling that piece of your story. Uh, I'm wondering a little bit more about like what were the kind of like emotions and feelings that kind of surrounded your um, surrounded both like the event and then also like kind of how did you navigate through being incarcerated? Yeah. So my emotions around the time of the incident. Oh my gosh. Um, gosh, even just thinking about it is it gives me a very eerie feeling. Um, but I think that was the time in my life where I was um, somewhat suicidal, you could say, or the, the suicidal ideation, right? Um, because, you know, for me, again, having experienced something very similar, right? And for us, for our family, you know, kind of what made it difficult was that um, there was no, there was no um, like justice in it, right? Like, yeah, there was no like closure and that kind of stuff, right? And so when my situation happened, um, I really felt it was unfair that I was in the wrong, yet I mm. survived, right? I didn't have kids. I was in a family and a wife to, I was working to support, yet I still would be able to live out my life, you know? Um, mm. And that's honestly something that, um, as well as just healing in general, right? I'm learning that it doesn't necessarily go away, um, but that's why I've learned that I have to have tools and resources and things to actively remain healthy emotionally, right? Because one of the things that I've honestly just now begun to process, because again, I've, I've been through many years of therapy and things, right? But I'm just now in a place where I've been processing and understanding, like a big thing for me is I haven't really grieved the loss of like my family. And that's one thing I realized being back here, right? Because when I'm home and around my family, I see it often. But like, it's to the point where when I even think about, you know, missing my my dad, I immediately think about Mr. Bustos, right? And his family. I'm like, and, and I, I get the, emotionally, I feel like you don't have a reason to be, you, you don't have a right to miss your dad when he, you know what I mean? And logically, I know that's not true or that's not valid and that's not fair for me. Um, mm. But like emotionally, right? Um, there was that like such, such, such guilt, man. Um, such guilt. And um, I've even like, I've, I've talked to a friend of mine about it and we kind of came up with the term like guilt complex, right? And so now, like, I, I'm like, the good thing is, right, it allowed me to be able to, like, see fault in myself and to be able to take accountability in an honest way, like, look at myself and say, no, that was wrong in a way I think most people can't, right? Mm. Um, but at the same time, uh, it, it now makes me, I, I'm just not willing, but I'm kind of willing to just accept guilt for anything and responsibility for anything, you know what I mean? Um, and so, that's also something I'm still working on, right? Like that that space of, um, and I guess then tying it back to like the incident, 
I think maybe guilt was like the biggest thing, you know? Um, And as that related to prison, how I dealt with that, um, it was interesting though, right? Because again, here I was a college student who just kind of ends up in prison, right? With, uh, you know, a lot of, you know, a lot of people, one thing about incarceration, right? There's a lot of people who it's like a re- revolving door, right? Recidivism. We we talk about that. So most of the people who there have been right. there before, or were living a lifestyle where they knew that prison might be a, uh, was in the realm of possibility, <laughs> right? Um, and so yeah. like I, I stood out in a way there. Um, but what surprised me is that a lot of people would say things like, "Oh, you don't." what are you doing here? You don't belong here. Like you shouldn't be here. Um, and so that was in terms of like emotionally, in a way it kind of helped. <laughs> right. Because I think I was a unicorn for most people there. So people were kind of intrigued by me. Um, but so many people like, like, Oh, it was an accident, all those kinds of things. And again, like it allowed me to, to like see and hear people give me grace. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, because, again, they know things that they had done. Right. You know. Yeah. So I think that's kind of how. And to, your, to the other point, um, before I really got to the place where I was actually even like talking to people in, in prison, it was journaling. Right. I've always yeah. been a writer. I've always journaled. I have journals even back from second grade. Right. Um, yeah. So but I hadn't done it in several years, you know, before my accident. And so. Mm-hmm. When I got to prison, I, I knew, right? I knew it's like, I've got to be intentional about this. A therapist, mental health in a formal capacity wasn't really an option. And so like, I literally have journals and like, all right, today I'm going to write about my dad's passing. I'm going to write about the accident. I'm going to write about the, you know what I mean? To be able to really like just sort through those emotions. And it was intense. <laughs> Rereading yeah, them. Man was intense for sure. Sheesh. Man, you said so much. I'm trying to remember all the things I want to hit. Sorry. It's good. Um, I want to start with this idea of, of grieving um, and kind of saying, you were talking about how like you never, you hadn't felt like you hadn't really grieved the loss of your loved ones. Um, and so like, I feel like something that I've been talking to some of my friends about is this idea that black men don't really know how to grieve. It's just like, we're not taught how to grieve. We're taught that things happen and we got to keep going back to work. We got to keep pushing. We got to hold it together for whatever else is going on or whoever else is in our life. Um, So talk about like your process. Can you talk about your process a little bit with like coming to terms with that idea of like you needing to grieve and then kind of what steps, if you're taking steps to like grieve, what does that look like? Yeah. Um, had I come to terms with like, okay, I need to grieve. So I think the most grieving I did um, was probably in the journals. I think I, I, I mm-hmm. came, during the pandemic, I came back to my hometown, which is where you know my, my family's from. And that's when it kind of hit me slam in the face, like, dang, by being away, it made it easier to not, to like, 
just avoid the fact that I hadn't hadn't grieved and you know to be able to blush broke brush off memories like I could easily distract myself from it but it's different when I have to mm-hmm. drive by places with their memories and all these kinds of things um so I'll say it's been more recent right and and then and then that relationship or in those sessions with like my therapist in these more recent years um but then I think also as I've just kind of been coming into like my manhood, right? Like as like an adult, as an adult man, right? And now I understand my dad a little bit more, right? I see my dad and myself a lot more now, um, much more than I I did, you know, growing up, like just like even my physical appearance. And, um, you know, in the mornings, you know, I work out, I meditate, I try to write a little bit, right? And so in those moments of stillness, as I've been here, I've been able to realize like, yo, you know, you avoid this. And that's how I piece together that when I think about him, I also think about, you know, Mr. Bustos and my accident. So honestly, this is a part of really a new journey for me, (laughs) honestly, like giving myself space to grieve. Because honestly, Mm. you know, oh, praise to God that I've, I've been able to like find success in my life, you know, these past several years, um, you know, post-incarceration and completing my degree and everything. And even then, you know, I still struggle with and try to learn how to find space to even feel worthy of stuff. I know I work hard for it. You know what I mean? Like if I deserve it, I like just, so yeah. yeah, just, so honestly at this point, it's really just trying to give myself space for it. Um, to like be like, yo, you're a person too, you know what I mean? And whether I should be here or not, I am, right? And if I want mm. to be able to, you know, make sure that everything I've experienced was not in vain, part of how I do that is by, you know, fully healing, which includes grief. And kind of to your point, you know, I don't think any of us, particularly in a Western culture, America, none of us know how to grieve. Like you look at many other cultures, they'll spend a month like formally grieving, right? <laughs> it's like a formal thing. Yeah. Like I have a friend whose family's from Jamaica. She was saying how the wake was like three weeks, right? Here you get three days off of work, you got a good job, right? And that that's losing yeah, right. an immediate person, a spouse, a child, you know, all those things. So um, I think it's much, much, it's not, yeah, I think we just in the West don't really see the value of grieving. I think grieving is a spiritual act, right? Um, so I'm learning, like, as I'm beginning to see that as a spiritual act, as a part of the necessary piece of healing, I'm, like, learning to just find space for myself to do that. Um, and even like with like some of like, so my dad and his brother were brothers. Um, there was just two of them that were pretty close in age. So my cousins grew up really close, but we hadn't, since they passed in 09, we have rarely talked about it at all, you know? Mm. Um, so like when I say finding space, like even just talking about it, like a couple weekends, I was with my cousin and we, that was the first time we really like talked about it for like hours and like cry together and all those kinds of things, right? Um, so just 
allow myself permission to like do that, which is a new development for me, right? Yeah, man. Like, I think you're hitting on something really important too. Um, this idea that I think my idea with like, this series around healing is to show like it's not it's not pretty. <laughs> like, it, it's pretty messy actually. Um, and so, um, just like this idea that grief is a part of healing, like it's a necessary part of healing for depending on your journey, is also like speaks to that piece of it being so messy. Um, and yet, like, even after that grieving process, like I've had to grieve things in my own healing journey. Like, even after that grief, like, you come out better, even if it's still there, even if the grief pops up every now and then still, like, you, like I personally felt like freedom even after that process of grieving uh, with a specific aspect of my life that I'm healing from. And so, uh, yeah, man, I, I really appreciate you kind of speaking into that. Uh, I think like there's also this idea of like the guilt complex is really interesting too. Um, so I think it connects this idea of like not feeling like you have the right to grieve, um, but also reminding yourself that you are human, like you said. And I really like appreciate that as well. Uh, so yeah, just wanted to respond to those things, but that those were really impactful, man. Yeah, thanks. I'm also curious about you speaking a little bit more about journaling uh, and its impact on your healing journey. Uh, I mm. asked because uh, I had, uh, I told you this when I was was in the Maryland um, at the event, I've had like several uh, men who are incarcerated either reach out to me or their families reach out to me um, explaining how impact breathe was, for, uh, how impactful breathe was for them. Um, as a space to journal. Um, I that's like I never really one, I didn't picture being <laughs> successful by any means when I wrote it. <laughs> and so, um, but also like this idea of like that being a population that found benefit in this practice. Um, I think in a lot of ways, probably more so than some of some other men, because like it's hard for a lot of people just to sit down and journal all the time mm-hmm. uh, and so this one speaks to you, like like why journaling uh, for you um, and just a little bit more about like the benefits of it for you um, in your healing journey yeah um so like i mentioned like i like i i've i've, I've journaled for a while I, I like to write right um and so actually i'll tell you the very the precise moment where I knew like, okay, journaling has to be my outlet for here that I use for my healing, right? There was like, I was in processing. It was like, I had like, I was in like, it may have been like a week to, yeah, about a week, maybe two tops. Um, And I remember being in, being in like uh, the cell, in the cell block we had individual cells and um i was actually kind of writing what i would normally do was just write do my stream of consciousness right like oh i'm sitting here blah 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 blah, and this kind of go on like whatever right and then um as i was processing like thinking processing i felt myself like realizing like yo i can't do this time (laughs) 
<laughs> I came to this time, I got to get out. Um, and I had like made a realization about something from when I was younger. And I was just like really freaking out. And I remember I went to like the the little space where the the COs, the officers were. And I was like, yo, I need to see a mental health person, like a counselor or somebody. And they were like, well, it was the weekend. It's like, well, you can't maybe see anybody until the week starts back. And even then you got to submit a form. You got to put it in the box, you know, and then when they get to you, right? And so I'm like, nah, but like, I can't yeah. go back right now. I need to like talk with somebody. I can't talk to the people in the block. You know what I'm saying? And it's like, well, you know, we can't help you. Here's the form. On Monday, you can put it in a joint. And so I get back in there and I'm freaking out. And so I'm just like writing. And I remember um, towards the end, I was like, I wrote like, I feel like I'm unraveling. And I remember feeling like literally feeling like, feeling like I was losing myself. Like, all right, I'm going nuts. <laughs> you know, like, that's what I felt in my mind. Um, <laughs> But by the time yeah. I, I finished writing that journal piece, I felt some relief, right? I like kind of had talked myself off the ledge in a way, you know, during that that journal. And then, um, so over time, that's kind of what it would be, right? Um, it ended up being that whenever I was in some hyper emotional state, um, for better or worse, writing would be how I would kind of like bring myself back to reality, right? Because, you know, emotions are always up and down and don't always convey the reality of a situation. And the reason I think yeah. journaling is very um, one of the best ways to kind of deal with things is because, you know, if you think about it, we think much faster than we can speak, right? Um, and then we speak faster mm -hmm. than we can write. So when we take the time to really write down what we're thinking, that slows us down by two times two, right? And so that allows us to really formulate really well thought out things. More, it's much more thought out than if we just think it or if we just talk it, right? And so I think that's why journaling has is so valuable. Yeah, man, that's good. That's good. I agree. I think journaling for me has always been the way to get it out of my head. Yeah. <laughs> uh, because I know that I have, I can have a lot of thoughts swirling, a lot of thoughts that like, bother me um but when i put them somewhere i'm like okay i can get back i can put that somewhere out here put it in a box in a way <laughs> and come back to it when i'm yeah. ready. um sometimes it's like, one more yeah you, you're, you're right uh, oh you're good uh i'm just saying like this idea of you thinking before um you said think before you speak we think quick, we think before we speak, and then we what, say it again. Yeah, <laughs> like yeah, yeah, like because we think much more quickly than we speak. So our thoughts are just so fast. We're, we can't right. it, processing what we're thinking is harder, right? Then when we speak it, we speak a little slower than we can think. So we process it a little more. But then we, when we write it, it's much slower, right? And so just the process of slowing yeah. down yeah. it allows us to really process those thoughts more thoroughly i think and then as it yeah, relates to like, like why people in prison i think really should take advantage of it um and why i like really advocate for it here's the thing about people who end up in prison right when you go before the judge and all this stuff 90 percent of the time you're not able to represent yourself right so mm. you literally lose the opportunity to speak for yourself and you know if you're the kind of person who's naturally expressive or 
whatever. And I'm saying, I'm taking like innocence out of it, right? There's there's something caging about not even being able to speak for yourself, right? right. So I remember, you know, even for me in my situation, you know, I think I had a good lawyer who really had was looking out for my interests and things. But there's certain times I'm like, ah, let me step in. I can speak for myself. You know what I mean? Um, but you can't, right? And then, you know, you're often advised not to speak about your case or your situation, right? Because there's been times, like, even especially then, because, like, from the time the accident happened to the time I actually went to court and was, like, sentenced, it was 11 months, right? So in those 11 months, mm. I'm like, no worries, like, you you know, don't talk about this to anybody, um, you know, because, you know, of course, anything you say, they'll try to use against you. And so it's like something, the most major, most impactful, most significant thing in your life, you really can't share it with anybody. You know what I mean? Like that's, yeah. that in itself is like, oh, wait, that's something to carry. It, it gets heavy, you know? Um, and then if you add on the case of like, if you have like co-defendants and all these things, you have to really be careful about if and when and how and who you talk to about certain kind of things, you know, I think journaling then becomes that really, really powerful outlet to kind of regain some of that, like, just freedom of self, right? Yeah, yeah, no, that's good, bro. I appreciate you sharing that. Um, and I think I resonate with this idea of being able to, like, also create your own and write your own, like, story yeah, and your narrative, yeah. Mm-hmm. through journaling so that's good that's good so if you where do you want to be in your healing journal healing journey a year from now Ooh, a year from now <laughs> a year from now um wow this is interesting because i expected much more of this to be kind of about that journey healing and do the prison thing. But honestly, I, I want to be in a place where I can um, feel more healed as it relates to like grieving like my dad and uncles. Um, man, that was so significant. Mm. And I think the reason why being here, when I realized it wasn't just me, right? Um, I, I think it felt mm. like it was just me for a while because again, I was off in college. So I was kind of isolated from like the people who really cared. But being here, seeing like the whole community kind of was hit hard by that, not just me and my family. Um, So I want to get a year from now, I would love to be in a place to where I don't feel so bad at myself for like missing my dad and my Mm. uncles and you know what I mean? Um, That's where I want to be. That's good. I mean, you said you said at the beginning, bro. You're, you're you're human, so I had to ask you beyond just your time in, in incarceration. I had to ask you where you gonna where you going to, bro. <laughs> yeah, no, uh, yeah, that's good. Uh, cool, bro. Last question I have for you. Um, like, I mean, I don't know who listens to this podcast, um, but I, I'm sure that people who men who listen have had experience. Um, either um, being incarcerated or know somebody who does and is walking with them or whatever, but someone who is like healing from whatever situation um, that uh, made them um, go into prison, like, and now they're out 
like what advice would you give them um, on their journey um, healing from whatever the event was healing from their time in prison reorienting to to life again what what general advice would you give them yeah um i think the general advice i would give let me think about it um okay perfect i actually know what it is so i do this thing um so i created this wellness center no excuse me this wellness centered personal professional development framework right which actually um i kind of came up with drawing from insights from the journals i wrote while i was incarcerated um and i call it what's your anchor right mm -hmm. So that's my way of shouting out like my family, um, you know, because I wasn't anchored at the time my situation happened. But the idea is no one plans, right, to go to prison or even beyond that, whether it's homeless or being in poverty or all these things. No one planned those things, right? But kind of like a ship without an anchor. Yeah. You don't have an anchor. Wherever the wind blows or the current takes you or whatever, that's where you end up. And so mm -hmm. I say, what's your anchor? But when I say what's your anchor, it's, it's very specific. There are three kind of steps in that process. We get anchored in our identity, our vision, and our shipmates. And they all do something different, and it's a different activities for each. But I'll stay, the one piece of advice I'll give um, relates to identity, right? Um, and when we, so the first thing we do is we go through and we create our mission for ourselves, right? And when most people think about a mission and a mission statement, we think about how businesses have one in organizations, right? And usually the mission is like what you do, right? But when we come through and we make our mission statements looking at, you know, as it relates to our identity, it's not so much what we want to do, but like just who do we want to be, right? Like, so we, we started like my mission is to be or to become because the person you mm. become or you are, like what aligns with that will follow. And so I always give the example for me. So, you know, I originally was in school to be a teacher. And so after everything happens, like, oh, God, I got these felony charges. Oh, my gosh, what am I going to do now? You know, can't teach, blah, blah, blah. Um, I was really, you know, like, what would I do? I feel like that was my my passion, my purpose, right? Um, but I remember, like, before I went in, I had made a mission statement for myself to be a bellwether for education. Um, because I saw the word bellwether in the dictionary, uh, dot com word of the day <laughs> and I love that word and I'm like you know what I like that word I want to be a bellwether for education and so I say that because I made that my mission and even though I wasn't able to teach in formal capacity right because I became and I am right a bellwether for education well, what does a bellwether for education does do they teach so whether I was going to be in a classroom or not I was going to teach as a business consultant, consultant, right? Mm -hmm. That's that's teaching, right? Um, when I was incarcerated, I taught GED, I, you know, as a tutor, um, and in various aspects of my life, right? Even like in non like professional settings, I still end up being like a teacher in different capacities, right? Because I set my sights on the kind of person I wanted to be. You know what I mean? And so I say that because I think people work really hard because they want to do certain things and want to achieve certain things. I think the easiest way to start is just to first say, okay, if this is what I want my life to look like, who do I need to be? What is that person like? And so the first thing we do is like we write that out. So if there's a bill with their education, once I start my entrepreneurial journey, I had to switch it, right? 
Now I want it to be an industrious, you know, person who used my, you know, business acumen and these skills to build business and community, right? Um, because that's the kind of person who is a good that kind of entrepreneur I want it to be, right? So, like, yeah, yeah. I'll have to say that one piece of advice is um just start with like, you know. Core thing, what you want to do, but then say like, okay, what kind of person is that, and like, who do I need to be to to have that kind of life? Because once you become that person, mm. everything else falls along with it. Mm. And that's what we are—we're yeah, human beings, you. right? Yeah, 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 yeah. No, that's good, man. I appreciate you. I appreciate you sharing your story. Like, I appreciate you, um, but. It's- um, to some of your healing journey, bro. Um, yeah. Any uh, before we let you go, you gotta make sure that we get your uh, get ways to reach you. Um, yeah. So if anybody's looking to connect with you, how can how can they connect with you? Yes. So um, I'm in terms of social media, I'm most active on Instagram, which is dev dot Darian. Darian is D R Y A N. So at dev.dorian um but you can also reach me via email um which is just d smith at ship and anchor biz all spelled out so that's d smith at s h i p a n d a n c h o r b i z dot com ship and anchor biz dot com cool bro Thank yeah. you so much for coming through again. Thanks uh, for having me. I always I love chopping it up gonna, with you. Yeah, bro. I'm not going to blow up your spot, but you need to get out your story. I'm going to just leave <laughs> it there. I'm not going to blow up your spot, but people can use your story. People can use, um, I can benefit from, from what you have to offer. Uh, mm. <laughs> I'll leave it there, though. <laughs> Appreciate uh, that, man. Cool, Appreciate man. it. Uh, all right, y'all. That closes this episode. Um, keep coming back for <laughs> these stories. I have some cool guests that are continue to uh, are that are lined up for the rest of the season, um, and I'm excited for them to share their stories of healing with you as well. Uh, remember that breathing as a black man is an act of resistance. All right, y'all. Keep part. Peace. Yes, sir. Later.